and you know it. With a tear in my eye. The queen of the crop. Acknowledge me. Episode 332 of Top Rope Nation. I am your fill-in host, Jesse Velasquez. Ryan Drosty, unfortunately, is unable to join us tonight with a sick child. That being said, you're stuck with the Double J podcast. No, not Jeff Jarrett. Jesse Velasquez <laughs> and Justin Joint. Justin, how are you? Uh, well, I mean... Compared to Ryan, who's dealing with a sick kid, I am A-OK. The family is healthy, but I have been experiencing a run of uh, first world problems this week. Uh, On Friday, we had a new router installed. And apparently this new router, which is uh, very up-to-date tech-wise, is incompatible with my laptop. Uh, My laptop could not find this new network because it's 10 years old almost. And apparently that is outdated in the world of technology. Uh, And then uh, I found out last night it is this new router is also apparently kind of incompatible with my Sono soundbar. Like it, the router runs both five and two and a half but it needs to be like separated somehow for it to to work with the Sono soundbar. And then today my TV died. No. Yes. Yes. I kind of alluded uh, that to you because of something uh, wrestling related. Uh, we'll get into that later, but yeah, my TV died. Uh, and my, my littlest one's mullet got cut off today, which was heartbreaking. And, uh, my coworker broke her arm six months ago, and and so I have uh, just been buried every day at work since then. And I realized while she was gone that all my stress at work was because of her, because the last six months have just been amazing. And she came back this week, and I'm already stressed the hell out because. She is a jabberjaw. She narrates the entire freaking day and she complains a lot. And it's just a lot. It is a lot. It's been a hell of a week, Jesse. How are you? Let me tell you when it comes to, I call those folks energy vampires. Yes. You want to steer clear of those people for as long as you possibly can. I actually have one family member, a very close one. We will not name that person. That is the (laughs) biggest energy vampire in my life. And they wonder why I don't call them as much as I probably should. That is why. So I completely understand your stress. This week has flown because I've been very hectic up until today. Thankfully, I got my athletic endeavor accomplished. So I am drinking this evening. Thank you very much. And I'm going to pass it your way if you want to add on to the remainder of your story or share for our listeners out there what's in the glass. All right. Well, I, I port because of uh, this week I've been having, which wasn't an all bad week, uh, which I will kind of get into here in a second. Uh, I, I'm I'm being a basic bitch again, uh, just like during our classics episode. I'm, I'm just G&T guy tonight. Oh, but uh, I, I do have to bring up something because I was in your neck of the woods 
That's right. This weekend, I did not get a hold of you. I apologize for that, but I was with some guys that I, I rarely ever get to see. So I kind of selfishly just wanted to, to spend that time with them. Um, but I, I, I did talk to a good friend of mine that you met last time I was up there. And apparently when I introduced my friends, I introduced them to you as Tony and his wife, Samantha, yeah. even though I have been friends with Samantha for like 30 years. <laughs> so I don't know what the etiquette is here for like, when you introduce people, like, do you even bring up their, that they're married or, or do you just forego that? I, I don't know what to do there, but she, she kind of hinted that, uh, uh, she got a look from you like, Oh, that's kind of weird. Just the, the way I introduced it. But, uh, I, I got a little shit for that this weekend, all in good fun. Uh, she does occasionally listen to the pod until we start talking wrestling. So if she's listening, hi, Samantha, love you. I met Samantha. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which by the way, we went to the same place, just in different parts of town. We did. And my, oh my, I had one of the absolute best old fashions I have ever had in my life. Incredible. Did you, I know you've been on this athletic endeavor recently. Did you eat the, the sugar waffle that was included in that old fashioned? Yes, I did. Oh my God. Anybody in the Minneapolis area, uh, uh, brick and bourbon. Is that, that is the, correct. Oh, the smoked old fashioned could not recommend it enough. We also got a, like three appetizers, all of which were just tremendous. So I, I highly recommend that place. There's uh, I think three or four of them in the area. Yes. And you were in the Eden Prairie location. Correct. Okay. Saturday. Yes. Okay. I went Sunday. No, Friday. Sorry. You Friday. went Friday. Okay. Friday so first night you got up there. I went Sunday and I got an original old fashioned. My date corrected me. She said, oh, this is the wrong old fashioned. Get that one, the smoked one. So the waitress came back and I said, this is my fault. Can I get the smoked one instead? So <laughs> I did the, yeah. You know, oddly, oddly enough, on Saturday, I, I actually made the mistake that you almost made. Whereas we went to uh, Smack Shack, a seafood restaurant. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we were all pretty hungover, but I, I can't help but get a, a, a good looking Bloody Mary. So I looked at the drink menu and they had this uh, $9 Bloody Mary, which just, I think just came with like uh, an olive, a cheese curd, something like that. And I was like, but if like for six bucks more, you get one that comes with bacon and a I think it was like a blackened shrimp and like two other things that, that are escaping my mind right now. I was like, no, I'm, I think I'll just stick with the $9 one. I don't need all that extra stuff because we were having a hard time picking out our food anyways. But my buddy actually paid the extra $6, got the, the super duper Bloody Mary, and I was jealous. Uh, it looked amazing. He shared a little bit of, of the, the you know stuff that came with it, and it was tremendous. Hmm. Yeah, two, two good places in two nights for you. Yes. Yeah. It was it, like a great weekend. Uh, every, everything since then has been shit. <laughs> okay. Oh no. Uh, fast date went well. Brick and bourbon went very well. And no, that, that smoky old fashioned was oh. amazing. Yeah. That's probably top. 
three or four in the area for me. The Hewing Hotel, if you ever come up here, that has the best old-fashioned, in my humble opinion. Okay. Um, is that downtown, downtown? Just on the outskirts. It's in the North Loop on okay. Washington right. Avenue. Don't think I've been there. Going to have to keep that in mind, though. Same, not block as parlor, but same runway. I think it's about five blocks down from parlor. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, Perfect. Yeah, keep that in mind. So that's our story about how we went to the exact <laughs> same restaurant on different sides of town. He was on the western suburbs. I was in the very, very east, almost in Wisconsin. Stillwater, lovely area. And I have gone with the old Hendrix gin with a mix of lime and a dash of water. Very nice. Yeah. And for those who even care, Dave Matthews, you probably do. The athletic endeavor went very well. I will DM you my score. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> Was that it a being... 10? 10. <laughs> 10. Oh. Reference to a certain somebody who, who re-debuted in NXT last night. I was actually just going to ask, Justin, should we just open the show with Sean Spears? Uh, I, I guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, that was, that was sarcasm. Thank God. Uh, I didn't know of a nice way to say absolutely not, Jesse. We should not. <laughs> former AEW talent, Sean Spears. Yes, he is back in NXT. And they are pregnant with child number two on the way. Congratulations to him and Cassidy. Although, I do got to say, very quickly, it is kind of interesting that Cody, Jade, and Mr. Spears all came back, or not, you know, obviously Jade was not coming back, but came into WWE with basically their AEW gimmicks and names, you know, Cody and, and Sean, completely different from who they were when they left and now circling back around, uh, I just thought that was uh, really interesting and wanted to give kudos to, you know, obviously their their time in AEW because I, I think that's a difference maker, you know. Obviously, Cody is a super duper star, but I, I thought I was honestly kind of stunned that uh, he did not come back as Ty Dillinger, referring to Sean Spears, that is. Completely agree with you. They should never have changed on off topic Brian Pillman to Lexus King. Oh, awful just i mean he's awful in general but <laughs> yeah and that's being exposed by the way for those who were trying yeah. to clamor that this was a great move for him and then there's blair davenport who was b Priestley in AEW, but she was more known as will osprey's girlfriend here in britain mm. and working in stardom she's doing pretty well but let's not start with that we won't real quick we're gonna thank our lovely patrons here on the bottom scroll Thank you so much for your support. We just recorded In Your House, Final Four, 1997, in the month of February. The month of March will probably be a WrestleMania. Voting for that will probably start, or nominations will probably start for that at the end of the first week of March. We'll see how everything goes with Ryan and children over the weekend, which, by the way, I will be making my way down to Cedar Falls, Iowa, on Saturday early afternoon. We're going to have some fun. Hell yeah. Justin, I think we should open up with this. Obviously, this is going to be a 100% AEW podcast here moving forward. Let's talk about Sting last night at the very end, because that's the opening match we're going to talk about. Give me your thoughts on the closing angle with Sting, Darby Allen, and the Young Bucks. I loved it. It's it's the closest... <clears throat> 
at the risk of sounding like a complete nerd here, it is the closest that modern wrestling or, you know, wrestling in the last 10 to 15 to 20 years has made me feel like a kid again. Like I was stunned and giddy and I, it was one of those things where, uh, I don't normally let my kid watch wrestling in the morning, uh, cause it just makes him a little too wild, but we got up and I was like, buddy, you, you got to watch this. This is because he's, he's a huge Darby fan. He likes Sting too, but it's like, you got to watch this. is super cool. And and he's one of those, like he'll watch something and like every 10 seconds, like he's, he's asking questions. So I'm sitting there trying to watch one. I'm like, no, just keep watching. But like, cause I don't want him to miss it. And you know, all the, all the stuff happens and, and it, it finishes. And I'm like, bud, wasn't that cool? Wasn't that Sting thing? Awesome. And he's like, yeah, but the Darby thing was even cooler. <laughs> so, you know, you can't, you just can't win with these youngsters nowadays, but yeah, man, everything about that was perfectly executed that, that the camera shot from the top of the ramp, looking down with the bucks on either side, sting, you know, perfectly shot in the middle, you know, helping up Darby. It just chef's kiss. It was like, you know, we were talking about uh, the rocks promo. Was that last week or two weeks ago? We we're talking it was like it was basically him playing the greatest hits. Yes. This was them playing Crow Sting's greatest hits, but only if they, you know, if the band hadn't actually played their greatest hits, you know, in two decades. So the fact that not only did we get him dropping down from the rafters, but also the the uh, Darby unmasking in the crowd, you know, that was something that they did with Sting back in the day too, which was one of my all-time favorite Sting moments. So, yeah, man, it just incredible stuff by them I, i'm kind of disappointed you know none of us predicted it happening but obviously the rafter stuff has kind of been a no-no for a while which i did for a split second obviously my mind went to owen but uh what do you think i'm with you on the owen portion as soon as i saw him coming down i was like oh and then i'm like oh as long as he makes it down good it yeah. it looked like 1997 all over again to me i think the fact that that character the crow did not speak really helped as well in this yeah. segment to where yeah he didn't didn't verbalize and he had a great promo the week before which which we talked about as could have arguably been his best ever yes agree you got that tie in i'm enjoying the matthew and nicholas jackson variations with them and their succession characters which you would know a little bit more about than i would give me your thoughts on that the bucks um i'm loving what they're doing which is going to play into who i think will and should win in the match at revolution there is part of me that the the, the music and the presentation is a little two on the nose with succession and even like i get a a roman reigns feeling from it quite a bit but uh i'm i'm really digging what they're doing it actually feels uh like a a fresh change for the bucks compared to everything else they've done previously in aw they play so well as whiny heels and, and yes. but then for them entitled to yeah yeah and they've been completely playing this up walking into the building immediately and Renee Paquette interviewing them and looking for sting and her saying, this is the first time that I've seen anybody all day. They walk in and said, okay, well, we're going to be looking for him. Just going to give him a greeting. And then we might have us a nice surprise for him with the bats. A lot of cool little segments all the way sprinkled in and it wasn't overdone in any way, shape or form. 
which I didn't realize that that uh, scene where they go into the room with the bats hanging. Apparently, they did that with Sting on the last Nitro, I think. I thought I saw that somewhere online, or at least one of the last Nitros or something Ooh. along that line. So, yeah, there, there is a, a, a promo he cuts in a room with bats hanging from the ceiling that uh, I, I would recommend looking for. Wow, if that's March 26, 2001, that'd be crazy. Oh, man, yeah, that'd be incredible. Yeah, the final Nitro. So, this, oh, we'll go into one more question. Will this be the main event? Has to be. Absolutely has to be. With Without a doubt, it, honestly, it would be weird if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Now, give me your winner. It's got to be the Bucks. Uh, Sting and Darby are undefeated, and you know, obviously, the way this storyline is played with them attacking uh, Sting's kids and Bloody and Darby, uh, normally you would think this would need to end with the baby faces standing tall and with the way Tony Khan is treated, Sting, it, it would not shock you if he let them get this last win. But I just think with the Bucks doing this new gimmick and that it seems to be working, it would be a bit of a buzzkill for them to lose here. So why not give them that extra rub? Like, and I think it would be a really nice rub too. Not that the Bucks need it to feel like a big deal, but for them to be these entitled uh, EVP brats, for them to be the ones for the next six months to a year bragging about how they're the ones who, you know, quote unquote, ended Sting's career or put him down for the count. I don't think you can miss taking that opportunity if you're, if you're booking this, this match. Can't argue that any, anything that you said, and most legends do go out on their back when it comes to a At least they match. should, unlike a certain dead man from a, another company. Who tried? I'll give him. I'll give him that. He tried, but he just couldn't stay away. He had to keep coming back. Even Kurt Angle lost to Baron Corbin. That was shitty. That was real shitty. Yes, wrong person, wrong time. I was in your corner where I was like, "Bucks should. They should win this." You gave all the right reasons. Then there's part of me. I'm just like, I haven't seen Sting lose yet. I this is his last match, and it is tradition for people to go out on their backs. I am wrestling with this, no pun intended. I I'm gonna go the other way, mm -hmm. especially okay. if it's especially if it's gonna main event. I I think <clears throat> you want to send the fans home happy, and if the Bucks win, how does that send the fans home happy? Unless they win the match and something happens afterwards, and Sting poses. Well, that's in my mind. I am picturing, uh, obviously, I think there's going to be some shenanigans. Uh, the, the Bucks are going to win by hook and crook, leaving Sting Lane, and they will leave the ring. And then the noise of the crowd and the cheering is what will pick Sting back up for that last farewell uh, and the wave goodbye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. 
Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. They build it as his last dynamite here last mm-hmm. night. So we're likely not going to see him again. My final question is, how many tissue boxes are we going to need for you and Ryan at the end of this match? You know what, man? Good question. I don't think there will be any tears. <clears throat> there will only be relief as as long as Darby and Sting fucking survive this thing. With the way those two have been talking about just laying it all you know, laying it all out there for this match. Cause obviously sting means a lot to Darby. And if you've read that player's tribune, you know, he wants to make this a memorable match. And if you've ever seen Darby give it his all, he gives it his all. He puts his body on the line and stings talking the same way. What does he have to lose? And I think every risk they take in this match, I'm going to probably cringe and hold my breath uh, and just hope that they're both okay coming out of it. That's to me is I, I'm like legit worried about those two safety in this match. Yeah, Stig in his 60s. He's been mm-hmm. defying the odds for the last couple of years. And Darby Allen has been defying the odds his entire wrestling career as far as we know. Yep. The Gumby of professional wrestling. I don't <clears throat> know how he has not busted his spine. So, yes. Prayers to those guys because they are going to put on an absolute show-stealing affair. There's zero questions there. So you you're going Sting and Darby, huh? I'm gonna stick with it. I okay. I've watched Sting pose every time. I, I I get it's the last match. I get that the tag titles are going to probably have to be forfeited or something along those lines. Yet it's Sting. They've, they treated him like royalty ever since he's walked in there. Yeah, which is, I think, why you can let them lose one time. Why not? I kind of hope you're right. I just, I think that's the way it needs to be. That's that's the result that we should get. Kind of hope you're right, because that tag division needs to be unleashed once again. There's there's still some talent there. You know, and that was the entire point of, of, of Darby's Players' Tribune, was, you know, how they say you should never meet your heroes, and that is especially true in professional wrestling where you meet these vets who are basically on the way out and they don't really want to help anybody. And that was the exact opposite of sting where he was never big timing anybody. He was always open to ideas. He wanted to put Darby out there front and center. And I think to show, you know, the, the young wrestlers out there, how you go out, you go out on your back. And I, that just, I, I feel like Sting would want to do that. You made a great call. Made a great call. 5149, I'll say. <laughs> Comment in the chats as well. If you guys are out there, I do see there are a handful of you watching. So fe- feel free to drop your comments below. Give me your thoughts. Give us your thoughts on Sting, Darby Allen. And if it's your main event, it would be another case. But yeah, I, I can't see this not because it's in Greensboro. It's It's in a big time place where the meaning of Sting's career is omnipresent. Could have done without Ric Flair. I don't know why he was even out there. I I was kind of pro if he was going to actually turn, 
but then he didn't. So I was like, oh God, here we go. I was going to make mention of that. And I'm like, we'll just not bury the second. Because <laughs> <laughs> the second working punch he threw to, I believe oh it was Nicholas God. Jackson, was horrific. Woof. Woof. The Matt one was fine. I, I mean, guess. it is, was what it was. I know. Thankfully, it ended with a nice low blow. Yeah. Kind of a weak low blow, too, though. I mean, I don't know. Not He's good. Old. Get yeah. that fucking dude out of here. We don't need him. No. He's old, fragile, the whole nine yards. Let's get to the other big match, which would normally main event a, a pay-per-view under circumstances. Triple threat, Samoa Joe, Swerve Strickland, and Hangman Page. Did you like the angle with Hangman coming to the ring with a crutch? I thought it was fine. Um, it could have been exceptional if whoever in the back uh, revealed to everybody that it was a work. If maybe we had gone into this not knowing that it was a work, I think it could have been more impactful. But knowing that it was a work, you were just kind of waiting for it. Um, it seemed kind of odd and unnecessary, except for obviously, you know, they're, they're turning Hangman and uh, turning Swerve which is inevitable with the way the crowd loves him. But uh, it didn't really bother me that much. It kind of felt just a little unnecessary. What do you think? You know, I, Hangman was the weak point of the three last night, and that had nothing to do with him. Swerve put on a tremendous promo directly after Samoa Joe put on a normal world-class world champion promo. When he dropped that microphone, I just looked and I said, this dude should retain. <laughs> it's incredible he what he's done the last close to three months and mm -hmm. how well he's just brought the prestige back. He's really hit his notes well when it comes to his promos and triggering Swerve and triggering Hangman and just proclaiming himself to be the AEW world champion, the class of the promotion. Applaud to give the kudos to the guy because he's probably going to be a transitional champion, but he's done an awesome job. Yeah, um, I disagree with you a little bit that Hangman was the uh, low, po low point of, of the three, which I think it was pretty equal if you consider sure. his initial uh, promo before everybody came out there. I thought he did really good there. But other than that, I uh, completely agree with you. Um. Joe has been absolutely incredible. Uh, he feels like he is kind of elevated a title that didn't really need to be all that elevated. And I think he is going to be walking out of revolution as, and still your AEW world champion. Getting zero arguments from me here. And who would have thought that we would be saying that at the end of the year last right. year when he won it? Swerve, right in the middle, by the way, comes back with the promo, just proclaiming how he was a cruiserweight, let go from a different company, hmm. walks into it, just profiles what, what's been making him great. The antagonist factor with walking into another man's house and threatening his kid, of course, in a really strange way but obviously wasn't physically harmful mm -hmm. and just some of the dastardly stuff that he's done but he's also getting cheered i just thought the way he put that whole presentation together is just goes to show that he's going to be the next guy 
And taking shots at Joe, being on commentary, wearing a, a wet poncho at WrestleMania 37 was the reference there for anybody who didn't catch it. Well, that was, yeah, that was fantastic stuff. But as far as the outcome goes, we both agree it's going to be Joe, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I think it's pretty clear that that's the story they're laying out here. Uh, that Joe is kind of the odd man out storyline wise, because it is obvious that Hangman is only existing here to to hold back Swerve. That somehow he is going to cost Swerve the title here at Revolution, and their feud will continue. Now, I still got to think you need to get it that title on Swerve here somewhat soon, which apparently there's possibly a new AEW pay-per-view coming this April yes. called Dynasty. So maybe that is where you could do it. Um, I would still not be opposed to to getting the strap on Hangman with the work he has been doing. Uh, you know, it's it's good problem to have, you know, a, a gluttony of riches. 1A and 1B. I really liken this to one of my favorite cult classic sports movies, White Men Can't Jump. You have your own Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. And <laughs> Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland. I, yeah, I'm very excited for that. Now, is there any chance, I've been thinking, which I still, I have no problem with Samoa Joe being a quote-unquote transitional champion. I, I think that's, when, when you have the caliber of performer and wrestler, of Joe, I think you need to throw that verbiage out the window, even if it is a short title reign. I think that's a, a garbage thing to label him as. Uh, but if he's not going to be that, isn't you keep doing, you keep building this hangman swerve feud, and maybe you could like have them go again at all in. And if you keep the title on Samoa Joe, have, have we seen Samoa Joe versus Will Ospreay? No. So maybe that could be your match at all in. And maybe Swerve or Hangman, more hopefully, knock on wood, fingers crossed, Swerve could be the one to take the title from Ospreay. I know a lot of people, including you, who have made mention that if, if they put Swerve versus Osprey at all in, you might be making a little trip across the pond to see that one. But uh, I don't know, just something I'd been thinking about if they want to keep uh, Samoa Joe going for a while. I like it. If they fly somewhere in America to save me the expenses, sure, I'll go see Osprey <laughs> versus Swerve in the continental United States. Oh, those are those are my two favorite athletic acts going, I believe, currently in, in AEW. And they have wrestled once before. I have not seen the full match. It's in a WXW, I believe, Carrot Sweet 16 tournament, which the only highlight you'll find on YouTube, by the way, is them. Yes, a Bruno Mars (laughs) dance-off. And them looking about 35 pounds lighter than they are now. Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't watched it, go do so. All right, we agree on Joe. Let's move to it because we just mentioned it. Will Ospreay's official debut as an AEW contracted performer going against his stablemate, Kanosuke Takeshita, which in most circumstances is would likely be the match of the night running away. 
yet there is not any build to this. So we're just looking at two guys who are mm-hmm. going to absolutely give it their all. And we hope that their chemistry is there in ring because it is going to be a show stealer if it weren't for the main event. Justin, I know you've been a little, a little bit negative on it and rightfully so in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, tired of callous, get him out of there. I don't like heel to Uh I, I think he just, needs to be a baby face. He just, I, I look at him and I see baby face and I think the presentation of him as a heel has been awful. I don't believe for a second that even he believes he's a heel to that is. Um, I got to make an omission here. Yeah. My exposure to Osprey has been pretty limited, especially when it comes to his promos. Um, Obviously, I've seen a lot of his New Japan matches, and but promo-wise, it's basically just been the one he cut on Jericho before All In. He is like 100% believable on his promos. Like You can just tell he is all in on his character, or, or maybe just it's just him being him. But I thought he was tremendous in that segment with with Callis and all of them. I, I thought he was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, he came off as a big deal, confidence through the roof. Um, that actually finally got me hyped for a match that I know is going to be good. I just haven't given a shit about the storyline and still really don't. But uh, uh, it it did get me really excited about what we're going to be seeing from him even outside of, you know, the ring, just what we're going to hear from him as far as promos go. When he won his best of super juniors in 2019, before he made his way to the heavyweight division in new Japan, that's when his promo started to, no pun intended here, elevate. He, (laughs) no, he, he took that next step and he knew that he had to because Kenny Omega had left for all elite wrestling. So there was a foreign void at the top because Jay White was kind of filling it. We've talked about Zack Sabre Jr. in passing where he's just kind of that really good technical guy, but we don't know if he has the, the cojones to lead the company. Osprey knew he had to take the next step. So for the last four to five years, he's been honing that in. He's been honing his sell- selling ability, and he is a much better storyteller than he was when he was just a flipper back in the in the junior days. And now he's he's got the entire presentation. He's got the build. Yeah. He's he can actually strike with people. His hidden blade looks amazing. He can have believable matches with big guys and actually inflict some damage. So to see him now in a setting in America full time, where he can put every single skill to display, plus the promos that you just mentioned, sky's the limit. And the guy's going to be here for at least three to four years, and he's yeah. thirty years old. And it just you know that's what. It's both kind of the problem and the intrigue of the title situation right now is because it just feels inevitable that you got to pull the trigger on him at all in. So, like, that either means Hangman or Swerve or or, or somebody's going to, unless it's Joe, which is why I brought it up, they're going to have kind of a short reign because if Swerve wins it, he's probably going to lose it at all in. And, And for that to be his first title reign i don't know if that does much for him obviously you know to wear the strap and to be the man is always a good thing but 
for it to be a short time on your first reign, I don't know about that, which is why I keep bringing up Joe, which is why I think Hangman could be a good quote-unquote transitional champion. We can delay the gratification for Swerve Strickland very similar to something that they did. We just talked about him, Steve Austin, in 1997. Great call. Absolutely. Yeah. Let the heat continue to build. And then 2025, he becomes in that same position. He becomes the man in that same position that Steve Austin did when Michaels got hurt. And let Swerve just go to town. And that also gives you the opportunity to see if swerve is the real deal which i 100 percent believe he is and not just somebody that the crowd you know likes dancing along with you know prince nana or or saying the whose house thing um, i don't believe either of those things to be the, the reasons why swerve is over i i think he is a legit top guy um and you do risk not striking while the iron is hot if if you wait. But uh, once again, like I said before, that, that's a pretty good problem to have for Tony. Yeah, it's a definitely stacked card at the top. Are you going Osprey over to Keshida? Yeah, you have to, 100%. To, I mean, I'm sorry. Takeshita's a, a solidified mid-carder right now. They have not done jack shit with him since All Out. He, he needs to ditch Callus. Callus is holding him back. This heel gimmick is holding him back. Free Dikeshta! This is the second year in a row I have made a declaration that Kanosuke Takeshita is going to be my AEW breakout performer of the year. So I hope what you just said comes to fruition. I, you have to go Osprey in the debut here. Hopefully they they break one of them breaks away from Callus or even both. Who knows? You know, you know what I think would benefit Takeshita a lot would be an upper card borderline main event run in New Japan. Like if almost if you'd substitute him for Jack Perry, I think that would be the ideal situation where he, he gets a, a top of the card run where you get to see him as a main event guy. You really get to see what he can do. You let him, you know, kind of spread his wings to see who, who he truly is without the handcuffs of, you know, this every day or this every this weekly television uh, kind of jail he's in right now. I'll go one step further. Let's send Kanosuke Takeshita to the G1 Climax this summer. Yes. Yes, I like it. You can afford to with all the talent that's coming over because Osprey and Okada have now left the scene in New Japan, so they need help over there filling that G1 Climax. Let's send him over there. Yep. Agree 100%. Let's move on to the, to the rest of the card here. I am going to take a step backwards because this apparently does tie into the AEW World Championship match if I read Excalibur's lips correctly last night. This all-star eight-man scramble is for a world title shot? Um, I believe that's what he uttered. According to Wikipedia, that is true. The all-star scramble match, the winner will receive a future AEW World Championship match. Eesh. Well, 
the six names that have been announced, and I have seven and eight. If you want me to release the spoilers, I most certainly can. Should I? I mean, I'm looking at the spoilers right now, so it doesn't bother me. Okay, you are as well. All right, so folks, if you want to skip spoilers here, fast forward as soon as I say hook. I will pause for about (laughs) five seconds and then just fast forward for another 30. In the scramble match, we have Lance Archer, Brian Cage, Powerhouse Hobbs, Wardlow, Chris Jericho, Weasel is weighing again. Look what they did to my beautiful boy. They massacred my boy. My boy being revolution in this instance. We almost had a card without Jericho. (laughs) Hook. Here's the pause. Dante Martin and CMLL's Magnus. I think it's a glaring obvious choice here who wins this, but I'd like your opinion first. I assume by glaring obvious, you are referring to Wardlow. Yes, because there's only one other name on this list that I could see as a foreseeable person that could also take that title shot. The problem is that, do we think there's any chance that Wardlow would go on to win the world title? And I feel like the answer is no, and in which case... Keep him out of the title picture for a while. Keep him out of the title picture for as long as possible. This is some sort of weird scramble match. I I'm, don't even 100% know what that means, so maybe there's some shenanigans where you can keep him from winning this. Uh, you could make him, quote-unquote, lose this match without actually losing it. Uh, I, I think there's some names in there that could win and make for an interesting challenger to, to Joe. If you want to do a rematch with hook, or if you want to feed, uh, where was he on January 6th, Jericho, if you want to feed him to Joe, I, I would be okay with that. Um, Wardlow does feel like the no brainer and he does need a major push, but gosh, I just, I, I, I don't, how does he factor into this main event scene right now? And after the promo he cut last week, which was for him an all-timer. Amazing. I don't think he can have him win this match. I think he has to be screwed out of it. You just Un- talked me into it. Well, unless, you know, it's either he needs to be screwed here or he needs to be screwed in his title shot. I might have figured out who's going to screw him in his title shot. MJF a dynasty? That is accurate. <laughs> I thought of it the same second as you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because that feud can start. Oh, Samoa Joe versus Wardlow at dynasty? A rematch where Wardlow was already said? He's already taken care of Samoa Joe? Okay. Let's do it. I'm in. And by the way, Joe in that full gear match in 22 with... Wardlow and a certain person choked out powerhouse Hobbs to win the AEW TNT championship. Mm. I, we, Hobbs is the only other logistical choice I can look at on this list and that I would take to win this. Yeah. Um, God, once again, I mean, just the roster so loaded. Hobbs is somebody I would like to see elevated, but there's just no room for him right now. So as long as they can keep making them look strong, you know, thumbs up for me, which that is what they've been doing. 
I'm disappointed that we're not getting meat madness, which is yes. apparently because both Miro and Keith Lee are unable to participate. Why am I not surprised? And are they really unable to participate? Hmm. Well, Miro is probably helping his wife, who has some sort of health ailment going on. Keith Lee, why you would assume he would be uh, physically ready for any kind of match at this point, I don't know why. Because he's seems to be always dropping out of these things. Mm-hmm. Backstage politics. And it's definitely not on Tony Khan's behalf. It's on the performer's behalf, in my opinion. I've defended Keith Lee for about five years. That's five years, almost too long. Same. <sighs> what could have been... All right. So you're going Wardlow? Yeah, I'll go Wardlow. Because I, I think it's more important for him to look strong against all these jobbers. Except, I guess, I don't know, Hobbs, Archer, Hook. Jericho's a jobber, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but he got uh, a win, win last night over Atlantis Jr. Uh, yeah, I skipped that match. Uh it's better to, for him to look strong in this jobber scramble match and then for him to get screwed out of a future title match. Yeah, because I, I originally was going to go Wardlow and I was like, oh, let's, let's be contrarian and go Hobbs. No, I'm going to stick with Wardlow and we're going to we're going to tie the loose end that we just talked about together. The MJF is the one that screws him out of it. Yeah. Let's travel a little bit backwards here. AEW international title match. Roderick Strong is our challenger and our champion who has a 32 and 1 record over the last year. Orange Cassidy. I saw this brought up on Twitter that there is some Orange Cassidy fatigue going on amongst wrestling fans. I don't feel that. Um so obviously Twitter is its own little world and me just trying to figure out the entirety of the show. Obviously I think the young bucks are going to win heels. I think Samoa Joe is going to win heels. And I, I wanted to think or thought that Roderick strong was going to win, but God damn, that would mean a lot of heels are going over. And perhaps that's just my old school brain thinking there, that it, that stuff truly doesn't matter. Because it does feel like everything they've been building in this story is, is for Roderick to win this title here. Especially when I'm seeing online that there might be some fatigue with Orange Cassidy. But... I think a big baby face win on this show might be important, you know, to keep the crowd truly engaged. So I'm going to right now, I'm going to say Orange Cassidy with the caveat that I'm going to let you possibly change my mind, Jesse. Do they want the Undisputed Kingdom to be a huge factor moving forward in 2024? Because Adam Cole is still on the shelf. And we just mentioned Wardlow. He's probably mm -hmm. going to win this eight-man scramble. Roderick Strong, in a lot of experts that I hear, and Trevor Day mentioned it on my 
Unplugged mm-hmm. Podcast, patreon.com slash top rope nation. That Roderick great. Strong, it thank you, is one of the most either underrated or best performers of his generation. In ring, the guy's a stud. And his character's been he's not screaming obsessively over the last couple of weeks. He's actually been kind thank of a normal God. guy. So do they do they give him the rub here and do they give him the win? Or I don't feel the the, the fatigue of Orange Cassidy. I know that. Some people out there are. There's a lot of aggressiveness coming out of his character. When he's teasing the kicks and the light punches, then he just starts going to town. He hadn't done that before. I kind of like where this is going. I'm going to have Orange retain here. Oh. Oh. Okay. I'm going to go Orange. I thought you were going to maybe convince me to go with Roderick Strong. Um, I will say that the Undisputed Kingdom is in desperate need of a shot in the arm and maybe a small dose could be them holding you know that that title that AEW international championship um god i was really hoping you would change my mind but i guess i'm just going to change my mind to be contrarian i will go with roderick strong if they do let Roderick Strong have that championship, let him go back on a 2014, 15, 16 retro run from ROH when people were heralding him as maybe the most underrated best wrestler in the world mm-hmm. at the time. Yes, sir. Let him go. So, yeah, we'll we'll stay split here. Let's stick with world title scenes, and let's hope this match doesn't get placed behind Will Ospreay and Kanosuke Takeshita. Tony Storm versus Deanna Perrazzo for the AEW Women's Championship. I have not been into this and I am, I'm pretty lukewarm into this new Tony storm gimmick that I was super into when it started. I guess I I'll just say that this is not where you take the title off of her. Uh, I, I do think she's over to a certain degree. Uh, they have, a certain lady coming in very soon. So I think it'd be very odd uh, to take the title off of Tony storm right now, when you have a superstar that could be doing it later on. So I'm just going to say Tony storm retains. I like the backstory that they have with the matching tattoos and working their way up the ranks together. Deanna Perrazzo is a very accomplished technical wrestler. She's had a match or two lately that haven't been the greatest. We mentioned on the last pod with her and Madison Rain, where it was very, very sloppy. But I think this is going to be a really good match, and I am going to go Tony Storm here as well. I think it's... And then we saw last night on Dynamite, there's still the Julia Hart, Chris Statlander, Sky Blue, Willow Nightingale stuff. And there's no room on the card for them, it looks like here. So this is just the one women's match you're getting here on the show. Just real quick, I want to say, getting real worried about the length of this card, especially for a Sunday night when people got to work on Monday. I, this, You look at this card and you're thinking about where can they cut time? I'm not seeing it. Damn near every match looks like at least a 15-minute match. I'm going to really add on to this the AEW Continental Championship. Fuck. Your challenger, Brian Danielson, is going against your New Japan Strong Openweight, Ring of Honor, and Continental title holder, Eddie Kingston. So, um, rubber match. Brian Danielson 
won their initial initial C2 match, and then obviously Kingston beat him in, in their group's final to get the arguably the biggest win of his career. I just feels too soon to take the titles off of Eddie. And at the same time, are we going to see Danielson hold any title before he leaves AW full time? Like the reason why I'm I'm not a hundred percent sold on him winning this one because I don't know how meaningful that would be. Now, obviously, he could bring a lot of prestige to that title just by holding it. But I'd almost prefer just to see Eddie keep going. Uh, I don't know, man. This is a toss-up. What do you think? I think last night telegraphed it. Okay. Danielson got the submission win over Eddie Kingston. Oh, yeah. No. I would have I I would have considered Danielson in this spot. I I don't think Tony Khan can pull that trigger again. So I am going to stick with Eddie Kingston retaining here. And it's funny to me how Brian Danielson all year long in singles matches has wrestled foreign talent. As I mentioned in my last unplug mm. show, he hasn't wrestled a single person from America in a singles match <laughs> in 2024. Good. America's overrated. It's actually um, been fun. I love it. It's fantastic. Fucking Danielson's living his dream right now. And kudos to him. Going to my point earlier as to there is a lot of heels going over. Uh, and I picked Roderick Strong. I guess this is going to be my big baby face going over. I'm going Eddie Kingston. Yeah. I, I agree with you. No question there. I just wonder, let's ask this question as well before we dive into the next major men's title match. What have you thought of the presentation of all the undercard male titles as we go into Christian Cage versus Daniel Garcia? So the TNT, the International, and now the Continental. I think it's about as good as you can get for having this many mid-card titles on your show. Obviously, Orange has been the face of his title outside of his, you know, outside of Moxley's brief run with it. Everything about that has been pretty incredible. Then you look at Eddie Kingston being the face of the, as he calls it, you know, the, the American Triple Crown whether it be the continental, whatever it is, it fucking rules because Eddie's kicking ass. And then you have all of our dad holding that TNT title, Christian. And if, if you're going to criticize that, then I just have no respect for you. <laughs> oh, I am loving the inclusion of every mid-card title, which, by the way, I have these on my cover photos for Facebook and Twitter for those who follow mm. me. So let's just read it off right now in 10 through 1 fashion. Inspirational, wise, selfless, loved, courageous, generous, compassionate, respected, sacrificing, devoted, father. That's Christian Cage's Titan Tron, folks. If he was a 
a, a true blue dad, one of those should be tired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my son ran me ragged yesterday afternoon. I loved every minute of it, but when he oh, went to yeah. sleep, whew, that was <laughs> definitely much needed. Oh, it is, I don't think anything will ever replace that as my favorite Tron ever. That is that is my favorite of all time. It's not close anymore. Really? Oh, wow. It's okay. not. Being a father myself and Christian Cage thro- putting this into his character, yeah. All-time I'll, favorite. I'll be curious to see if you're like me. I'm talking about fatherhood right now where I will be dog-fucking-tired all day long and all i can think about is like oh i just want to go to bed i just want to go to bed and then as soon as you get your kids down second life like oh i'm gonna stay up for hours because i'm finally free (laughs) yeah my my kid fell asleep last night about 40 minutes into dynamite i ran to the tv and yes i could win hit (laughs) had to rewind zero question there so christian k daniel garcia this is an intriguing contest Ooh. here. Uh, interesting that Adam Copeland is not on this card. So is he going to be coming in to cost Christian the title here? Because it, it sure does feel like everything they've been doing has been gearing towards a Daniel Garcia title win. And at the same time, I don't feel like he's at the level of the TNT championship. Um, Now, granted what they do with him beyond this card could get him to that level as TNT champion. Um, I'm torn on this one. Part of me just does not want to see Christian devalued in any way because he is doing the Lord's work here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I, I think a loss to or a loss for Garcia could be far more damaging. So I think to keep the balance of heels and baby faces, I'm going to go with Daniel Garcia here with Copeland being the one to cost Christian. Let's use this cliche. I love, I probably use about 10 cliches a day. You can either have the guy make the title or the title make the guy. In this case, the title is going to make the guy. Yes. I think Daniel Garcia is ready to start having these ridiculous TNT title matches where he can just pull out his entire arsenal. And you'll be able to see what I know a handful of people have said make him special. I've heard John Alba say it, that he is the best independent wrestler he had seen in about a, in about a three to five year span right after Max left the New York, the New York area. Okay. So I agree. I, I think Copeland does cost him. I'm going to take Daniel Garcia here as well. And let's just see what, what he does with this. I really like Daddy Magic as his mouthpiece, if that can yeah. still be a thing. Agree. Agree. One of the best promos in AEW. And that's a spot where just laden full of guys who can talk. Somebody threw out a bit of uh, fantasy booking because obviously, like, I don't think I'm alone here that it just really felt like Daniel Garcia should have been like the the youngster introduced into the uh, Blackpool Combat Club. And I saw some fantasy booking, whereas when Danielson goes, 
he gives Garcia his spot in the club, which I think is chef's kiss perfect. That would be better than my idea that I teased at the end of December where I said that Wheeler Yuta would be the one getting booted from the group and Daniel Garcia would be the one inserted. Mm. And better than my idea where you just get Garcia in there and have Garcia and Yuta as a tag team. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. There aren't a couple of, are there any submission specialist tag teams out there? Cause that would be fun. Can't oh, think I of any. Think so, uh, uh-uh. yeah, we could roll with that. Do we really only have just the one match left? Wow. That's it. We got a rematch of the 20 minute draw that you and I talked about last week on AEW dynamite FTR versus Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxley. I have no idea. Uh, I would assume Mox and Claudio just because neither of them seem to be in a, uh, an immediate risk of going to jail. <laughs> uh, and, and on that alone, I, I will go the BCC. <laughs> and then here's me before you said that I was like the established tag team. With the Young Bucks getting the championships, according to you, and 49% me, saying that FTR should probably win this match. So I, I'll go contrarian. I'll, I'll take FTR here, having one of them pin Claudio. FTR guns getting the title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guns ablazing, straight cash on me. <laughs> Uh, and then I'm sure they'll announce a zero hour match or two here on rampage and collision the next couple of nights, which by the way, have been taped, which I did announce who the other two men in the eight man all-star scramble are going to be, which is really, really bizarre to me that I don't really see more than one all-star in there. (laughs) (sighs) Well, that's a wrap on AEW Revolution. Do you have anything else to add, Justin? I mean, just to reiterate what we said last week, I think this is pretty easily the best built top from bottom show that AEW has ever done. Um, I am jacked for this show. I mean, like my excitement for it is only met by my trepidation of how fucking long it's going to be because I don't see any matches that don't deserve at least 15 minutes, you know, not, and I am not one of those people that think that, uh, time equals quality. You know, we, we can have some short bangers for sure, but, uh, I don't know who gets cut for time here. Uh, it's going to be tremendous. And, as sure as I feel about a lot of these matches, the, you know, the outcomes that is, I think we're going to see some surprises. So yeah, man, my, my excitement is about as high as it's ever been for AEW. I'm with you, especially on this card and keep in mind that they have two humongous names coming into the promotion here in the next Mm -hmm. two to three weeks as well. To add to the flavor, this is shades of 2021 almost all over again, except for there isn't a locker room cancer to maybe poison Mm. what's happening. (laughs) And supposedly one of those big names is going to be coming next Wednesday or this upcoming Wednesday at this point. 
Ooh, well, we know who that would be. Because we know who's debuting on the other one, March the 13th mm-hmm. in Boston. <laughs> oh. I think it's, I think it, the forecast in Georgia next Wednesday is, is saying it might rain. Oh, baby. and that brings me to my last question for you justin i think i asked this question to trevor the main event scene in AEW. are you really really worried that uh that not everybody is going to be included and if you were to run with four to six guys at the top who are you going to run with swerve hangman osprey Um, I'm not counting Danielson because he's one foot out the door. Mox is always there to to Trevor's point, so I don't really want to throw him in there. Okada, um, and then I guess MJF coming back, and I, I suppose if I want another guy to be elevated, I would go Wardlow. But obviously, you know, those first four are kind of a lot easier than the rest of them. I think the first five you mentioned. Yeah. Okada and MJF amongst the easy top three, Swerve, Hangman, and Mr. Osprey, who's making his debut. Number six is where you just waffle. You look in, there's probably 15 guys. I wouldn't fault anybody if they said Jay White. Yeah. I know you're... I know you're doing that. <laughs> there are a lot of people out there. I'm not one of them. You're not one of them. And there's a handful of people out there that are not them. Adam Cole should be the sixth guy when he gets healthy. Mm, nope. He should um, have a feud with MJF and then enjoy his time in the mid card. We definitely agree there. If I'm looking along the lines, I think Eddie is a little bit too over the hill at this point. The, the the just too many big names ahead of him. I, I like where he's at. He's still a top of the card guy that you can slot into a main event match, but to be a tippy top guy, nope. Then Mox is old, tried and true at six. Yeah, he's the uh, break in case of an emergency guy. Which they've done. Yep. Breaking case of cancer. (laughs) Quite a bit. All right. I got one more guy. I'll ask you yes or no because we, you and I had this discussion about nine, no, not nine months ago, probably about six. Orange Cassidy. Nope. He's perfect as your international champion. Yeah. That's the limit. Yeah. Like, so we pretty much hit you with a, with a top five. And then the sixth is up for debate. The break in case of the glass is Mox. Yeah. A guy I would love to see in the sixth spot, but we'll never get there. Cry. Ricky Starks. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about him. I think he's going to go to WWE, personally. It's it's looking like it, because we haven't seen him on TV since Darby and Sting took those tag titles. Darby's another one. You know, where's he going to go when he doesn't have Sting with him? But, I mean, when you think about where the main event scene is going to be even for the next two to three years, you got your four to five guys. 
you're kind of set, you know. That's not even thinking about who could leave WWE and join AEW when you think about like a like a Drew McIntyre or a long shot like Seth Rollins, you know. So maybe even a Kevin Owens, who I believe his contract is coming up. So yep. I don't know, man. Uh it, I don't know. I just don't know. Those were three names I had kind of in the in the side of my brain. And then the other one we had talked about earlier, if we can get him to transition out of one faction and somebody can be a mouthpiece for him, Kanosuke Takeshita. Mm. He's got a ways to go. He does. I'm still on record, the most physically gifted talent before Osprey in AEW after what I watched last year. So now He's you just, just got to give him a presentation to go with it. You know, just thinking about like, him having a top run in new Japan could do just for his perception among American fans, just because like the personality is so hard to show when you can't cut great promos. Like he just feels like a, a, a Tanahashi to me, like an early, early Tanahashi. We're just go out there, have banger matches and then the American crowd's going to be begging to see you at the top of the card. That's a possibility. All right. So there's your, there's our six. We'll throw it up to debate in the TRN Facebook group discussion as well, who you think your six are. Well, we have a late entrant to the, it's Samantha. I know. Can I feature it? She is, she is uh, married to my friend, Tony. That is accurate. <laughs> we won some money together. Hell yeah. Oh, pull tabs. I had never had luck with those, and we so happened to have just a little bit about a month ago. She was also, uh, this past weekend, sporting a Top Rope Nation hoodie while I was there. Ooh. Yeah. Speaking a of true merch, supporter. Yes, Justin's got the hoodie on now. I have the TRN Royal Baby Blue shirt on. I have the beer drinking pro wrestling guys shirt in my bag, ready to wear at some point this coming weekend. The new Samoa Joe shirt will be on my on my top this coming Sunday, representing him as the AEW World Champion. We're gonna have a fun time, hopefully, starting at the Flying Elbow. Oh, fingers crossed. Some smash burgers. Very, very pumped. Anything else to close? No, man. Feeling good. I think that was a good show. Uh, a good preview for what will hopefully be one hell of a show this Sunday. We're going to come on here and give us give you our grade on Monday and say A-. minus. <laughs> There's a match of the year contender in there somewhere. There's probably two. Yeah. I'll just say Osprey Takeshita in the main event with the Bucks and and Darby and Sting because they're going to do something absolutely crazy. Yes. Agreed. So, Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation to support us. Ryan should be back steering the ship Monday night as we give our review for AEW Revolution, which means we'll probably be taking that Thursday off. I think we agreed on that. And we're potentially going to be bringing a Sting matches draft down the line here Ooh. march the 14th or 21st which should be the one of the next couple of episodes so we got some research to do i think justin yes sir gotta get on that 
Yes. My last nugget before we close is beginning tomorrow in the TRN Facebook group, I will be dropping the preliminary matches for, or that would be the first four matches for the TRN slash Twitter United States wrestling tournament of the, or wrestler of the year tournament that I'm going to be proceeding from March 5th all the way to April 17th. Vote. You have a 24 hour vote on Facebook as in the group, as well as twitter.com under the TRN Unplugged umbrella. So we're going to bring a lot of eyes to it, and we're going to have some fun, and it should draw some more eyes to the podcast. That's actually the ultimate goal for this. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be a lot of fun. The research has been done. The hard work is done. I get to showcase it to everybody else. All right, Justin. I'll see you Saturday. Maybe. Hell yeah, brother. Yes. All right, everyone. Again, Ryan will be back Monday. And for Justin Joint, my name is Jesse Velasquez. This has been episode 332 of Top Rope Nation. We will talk to you very soon. Take care. Sleep well. Bye.